Welcome back to Misunderstood. This is Rachel Yucatel. I'm a single parent to my 11-year-old daughter, as a lot of you know, and I'm constantly wondering if I'm doing a good job. Do you guys ever feel like that? I wonder if I'm making the right decisions for her. I mean, how do we really know what we're doing is the right thing? Do I give her too much? Not enough. It's a never-ending battle to be a good parent, or at least what we think a good parent is. Today, my guest is an expert on just that, Dr. Adolf Brown, better known as Doc Brown. He's a clinical psychologist and parenting expert. You guys are going to love this episode. He opens up about his own childhood, how it affected his parenting. He has eight kids, you guys, and what parenting styles he uses. We even delve into my own childhood and discuss how my family relationships have been affected and how they affect how I parent. Talking to Doc actually gave me confidence that I might just be doing okay with this parenting thing, and it might give you some confidence as well. We talk about how kids deal with trauma, how they learn from each other, and when you should push your kids to step outside their comfort zone. Doc Brown also gave me great tools on how to talk about some hard topics with my own daughter, and I think you guys will really love what he had to say. It will really affect how you make choices to talk to your own kids. Um, so we're really focusing today on what is misunderstood about what makes a great parent. So take a listen to the expert, Doc Brown, and find out. Brown, thank you so much for joining us on Misunderstood. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you are a parenting expert by trade and by personal experience. You have eight children. Is that right? That's correct. Wow. So, I mean, I have one and three dogs, and that already seems like, you know, it's a a struggle getting through the day. So (laughs) we'll get to that because I want to hear how you do it. But I want to talk about your childhood first. I know you were raised by a single mom. I know you experienced some really terrible tragedy in your childhood. Um, how did that affect you, obviously? But but explain your childhood to us a little bit. Definitely. Um, my mom and dad divorced after being married many years. We had a solidly middle-class upbringing. And um, one day my dad woke up and said, I don't want this anymore. Hmm. So we went from middle-class to inner-city poverty overnight. Um, once we were in that environment, um, I'm one of five considered the middle and, um, it was really difficult. I was actually feeling their distress. Uh, the living circumstances were very different and, you know, everyone missed our dad. Um, my oldest sibling and only brother Oscar became my hero Hmm. and he was murdered when I was 11. Hmm. So, um, I was already kind of on and off um, the good path versus uh, the straight and narrow, or the straight and narrow versus the bad path. Mm-hmm. And I had grandparents who were farmers and they stepped in my life more so once my dad left. So I spent a lot of time on a farm in the summer wow. and inner city during the uh, school year. And I am who I am today uh, based on that mixture of both. Um, my mom did a wonderful job Whenever she's interviewing with me and someone says single parent, she corrects them and lets them know that it was a village, that she didn't do it alone, that she had my Aunt Lorraine, my grandparents, 
Uh, she had school uh, teachers that cared about us. So she always says that um, single parenting is often a misnomer when you talk about, um, you know, it, it wasn't just one person. It was a yeah. whole bunch of people who cared about me. So did you ever see your dad again? Was it split custody or he just started a new life? No, no, I did see him again. Um, had had a lot of respect for my dad. My dad was probably the most authentic person uh, next to my granddad that I'd ever met. My dad woke up that day and said he didn't want it anymore. I kind of just wish he had waited till I'd grown up to become a psychologist. I would have helped him with his midlife crisis. Oh, but that, wow. that's what, <laughs> well, that's that's what it was. And back then, mm. uh, it wasn't something that everyone necessarily talked about or even knew exactly what they were experiencing. So, you know, my dad was is a straight was a straight he he passed during COVID or with COVID oh, during so the sorry. pandemic. And but straightforward person showed up authentically. Um I am who I am also because of that guy. Uh, yeah. You know, he would tell me that you show up who you are, but depending on who you're talking to, you don't become someone else. You just don't give it all to them. Mm. So, uh so he, you know, he had a lot of uh forethought and wisdom. Um, he actually went back to my mother or attempted to go back to my mother uh, about a year and a half afterwards, the split. And she said she couldn't trust that he wouldn't do it again. Yeah. So uh, even to his death, he said that she was the best person that had ever entered in his life. And, you know, he regretted it. Wow. So um, did you have a teacher that inspired you to, because I know later on, obviously you become a teacher, you, you educate people, um, but you know, you talked about how there's a village. So was there someone in there that, that really inspired you to do what you're doing now? Definitely. I had some ones, I had bunches, you know, everyone talks about that one teacher. I, I just had a bunch of teachers who, in my opinion, you know, they, they had a lot on their plate, but they knew what to eat first. It was a different time for educators mm -hmm. where classrooms weren't as large, where testing when it wasn't the most important goal of education and teachers that, that I'm a classic introvert. And I didn't learn about that until a middle school retreat, church retreat. Mm -hmm. And doesn't mean we're shy, just means we don't get our energies from others. So I love to read. I love, I get my energy um, or re-energize alone. So I had teachers that kind of pushed me in the forefront that would say, um, you're, you're bright, you're smart. I want you to do this. I want you to try this. And those weren't things that I would normally be interested in. It wasn't that I was afraid. I just mm -hmm. wasn't interested. So it, it kind of started happening in uh, third grade with uh, Miss Susan Kalman who told me that I would make a great SCA president. And mm. I said, oh, okay. And um, I sat back and she goes, well, you got a campaign. <laughs> so, so, and it wasn't something I wanted to do, but it was something that um, I needed to do for, you know, for this process. Right. And it went, it went well. And I just had teachers all along who just encouraged me to step out of my comfort zone of, um, you know, a book in my hand and, you know, in my thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a single parent too. And I have found that it is very important that my daughter connects with her teachers. Cause I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on at school. Um, sometimes the good kids or the kids on the straight and narrow don't make a lot of noise. So they right. don't get seen. And, um, you know, I love going to those parent teacher conferences cause I get to know them and I get to like, see, 
you know, their interaction with my daughter and see what's going on. And I agree that, you know, educators are so important and especially at a younger age for kids, there's, there's a lot of places for them to get role models, right? So it's not just your parents. So I think education is a, is a huge part of it. Well, obviously your wife became a huge part of your life. So how did you meet your wife? Because clearly parenting, which we're going to get to is probably half the battle is finding the right partner. Not only that you're marrying the right partner, but if you're separating for that person, that they're the right partner to co-parent with. So I think the person is really important. Love that you mentioned that. So so I I want to step back a moment and say that when we were talking about um, teachers that can see that child who doesn't necessarily um, raise my hand and say, pick me, Mm -hmm. um, one of, in parenting, one of the most sought after traits that parents want for their children is they would, they really want their children to be extroverted. Mm-hmm. They, they want their children to be that child that's seen that child that has a hundred friends, that child who's yeah. So um, it, it kind of goes against that person who isn't necessarily on all the time, so to speak. Right. right. So, so fast forward to meeting my wife. I met my wife at the college of William and Mary. My wife's from New York. I'm from Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And she was a freshman. I was a sophomore. And we spent a lot of time studying together. And um, we actually uh, started our family in college. Um, oh, wow. I beca- exactly. And, and it wasn't planned by any means. I won't come on your show and pretend that. It, it wasn't something that um, we said that that's what we're going to do. However, uh, studying led to other things over time. We both mm-hmm. knew that we were in love with each other, and um, we started our family, and it was extremely challenging. It mm-hmm. took us um, going around the world and back again. You know, we had our first child 34 years ago next week, Wow! and we've been married for 23, so it, it took us a while to get it right, and, oh, wow. and, 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 that's, and that's, a, that's a reality of sometimes putting the cart before the horse. Holiday parties have started, you guys, and it's sometimes hard to make your health a priority when you're running around, not eating so healthy, or maybe having one too many drinks. Holiday parties have started, and it's sometimes hard to make your health a priority when you're running around, not eating so healthy, and maybe having one too many drinks. My digestion can get messed up. My immune system also can get messed up, and I need to make sure to take care of myself so I can enjoy the holidays with my friends and family. I gave AG1 a try because I know it supports my entire body and covers my nutritional basis every day. It keeps my gut health in check, boosts my energy and immune support system. The best part is it's a supplement that actually tastes great. Now you guys have made a priority to try this for one month to see if I notice any results. And I will tell you, let me start with the taste. The taste is great, um, which was always really surprising to me because I'm not a person who likes to you know, start with a morning beverage, so to speak like this. Um, I can actually, you know, feel the energy that I get from this, especially now that I've been taking it for a month. And I really like the vitamins that I've been taking. It's a a drop that I put in my afternoon water or or whatever I'm drinking, my beverage. Um, And I really feel like it gives me that boost I need to get over the hump to go through to the evening. So guys, you're going to have to check this out. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I'm excited to partner with them. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free, you guys listen, this is very important. 
because this gives you a lot of stuff that you can actually gift to people to get them to try it as well. It's good stocking stuffers. But anyways, let's go back. Try AG1 and you're going to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2. That's the thing I drop into my beverage in the afternoon. And get five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. This is a great deal, you guys. Go to drinkag1.com slash understood. That's drinkag1.com slash understood. I want to hear from you about your experience with AG1. Tell me what you think. The holidays are here, which is perfect timing for today's sponsor, OneSkin. With OneSkin's revolutionary approach to tackling skin aging at the source, you can wrap up 2023 with the gift of radiant and healthy skin for yourself or your loved ones. OneSkin products are powered by a groundbreaking peptide, OS1, which has actually been proven in the lab to reduce the biological age of skin by several years, meaning it's not it not only prevents but slows down skin aging, leaving you with healthier, more hydrated and glowing skin. OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They create next level skincare. And just in time for the holidays, OneSkin launched their mini bundles, which include face and eye topical supplements, body lotion, and cleanser, which all come in a cute travel bag. If you're traveling this winter, OneSkin has your mini skincare essentials covered. And if you are gifting this holiday season, OneSkin's mini bundles are the perfect stocking stuffers. For a limited time, our listeners can enjoy an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products by using the code UNDERSTOOD when you check out at oneskin.co. That's oneskin.co. This holiday season, give yourself and your loved ones a head start on New Year's resolutions to swap your skincare for skin longevity. Now, you guys, I've been using OneSkin for a month and I'm not even exaggerating when I tell you people are asking me what I use on my face. I was getting my makeup done today, as a matter of fact, for a black tie event. And my makeup artist said, what have you been doing? The only thing I've been doing differently is using OneSkin. I love their products. I love how they feel. And now it seems after a month, people are actually noticing. Um, I use the one under my eye. I use the face one. And now that I have this travel kit, which by the way, is completely adorable, uh, totally appropriate for traveling with. And I'm going to be ordering some for others for stocking stuffers. It is like, I'm now trying the cleanser. I'm now trying the body lotion and I just love it. I'm not kidding you guys. You have to try this. So one skin is the world's finest and first skin longevity company. One skin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root causes of aging so skin feels and appears younger. It's time to get started with your new face, eye, and body routine at a discounted rate today. New customers get 15% off with the code understood at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code understood. The new year is approaching. Now is the best time to invest in your skin. Age healthy with one skin. Well, but that's really interesting that you say that. Well, first of all, it's clear you were kids, right? When you well, exactly had, had a kid, so you're probably parenting different then than you would have been throughout the course <laughs> of the other seven kids. Even though it sounds like you were kids for a decent amount of time when you had some of them. So, um, so I want to talk about parenting styles. What, um, you know, how important is it that you have a partner that has the same parenting style? What if you guys had different parenting styles? Did that even come up? I mean, I'm sure it didn't when you're in college, but did you know about it then? 
I, I was learning about it. I was a psychology and anthropology major and minoring mm-hmm. in English and um, actually English minoring in education. My wife is a biochemist. So she's the more analytical, looking at the nuts and bolts, where I'm a big picture person. So, yeah, we, we did honestly have uh, some disagreements about how to parent uh, yeah. as college students. I felt like at the time that um, it was important to be there more often than we were. Mm-hmm. And it was tough. Daycare was offered on campus, and I wasn't a proponent of daycare. I wanted our son to have everything us, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and she was a little bit more flexible. Um, she wasn't necessarily reading the books that I was reading, and I wasn't mm-hmm. given the advice that I'm giving now. When parents ask me, Dr. Brown, what book should I buy? What What parenting book should I read? I often tell them to buy the book with your child's picture on the cover. So what I'm saying there is that there's really um, no one that can honestly tell you how to rear your child, but what they can give you are tools in your toolbox to do better. Well, it's so interesting that you're saying that because, you know, people are very um, protective of how they parent, but they're also very judgmental of how others parent. And you know, well, let's talk about the fact that you were, that you have um, a show that you've been co-hosting with Allie Wentworth. That's a fantastic show for people that haven't seen it. And uh, it's called The Parent Test. And it basically, you're putting um, different parenting techniques to the test. Can you explain the show? Sure, sure. We have 12 parents on the show who basically said that they have the best parenting style in America. Mm-hmm. And we gave them tests to see how their children and how they would respond under these certain conditions based on their parenting style. Mm-hmm. So you, you have parents that did well. You have some parents that um, had epic fails. Uh, so you, it, I think what happened. You mean fails because they didn't realize it was not going to work when the cameras were on? Like, what do you mean? Be, if they've been doing these parenting styles forever, how did it kind of backfire on the show? Well, I, I well, I think what happens is that you assume that you've covered all the bases. Mm. You, you think that, you know, when your child's seven, what, what, what you're doing with your child at seven is going to work at 12. Right. So to be, to be wedded to any one style, when children have what's called developmental stages, when adults have developmental stages, we all change and we all grow. Yeah. So, so what happens if parents get really stuck in this is what we're going to do and we're not changing? when the only constant in life is change. So that that's became the issue. When, when we change situations, when we change um, scenarios, when they had multiple children, and sometimes they treated the children as a cohort as opposed to every child being a study of one. Uh, yeah, right. Right. Well, I was going to ask you that. How important is it is picking a style, like whether or not you're a helicopter parent, whether or not you're, you know, raising them to, you know, have, you know, excellence and in every single sport and language and everything like how, um, you know, basically, actually, I want to move back for one second. Um, sorry, I have too many dogs here. Give me one second. We'll edit this out. Um, okay. I'll get back to the question. I'll start it over so we can, um, what are your thoughts on, you know, picking a parenting style? Do you think that people are picking based on their experience as a, as a child? 
Oh, of course. Of course. Um, I write about something called Ghost in the Nursery. Mm-hmm. And what Ghost in the Nursery is, is that oftentimes we don't see our children as different from us. Mm-hmm. So we want to redo things based on our experiences. And our experiences aren't always the best experiences. Sometimes there's trauma involved. And those things are recapitulated with our children when we don't heal from them. They say time waits for no one and neither should payday. To keep your money moving in the direction of your dreams, get Earnin. Earnin is the app that's helping millions of Americans to feel self-sufficient without falling into debt traps. Earnin gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. All you have to do is download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck, then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers. With that extra money you get from Earnin, you could do a special night out, a last minute gift for a loved one, take an unexpected trip to the vet and not feel bad about it. So download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in understood under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show, understood under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max, see earnin.com TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolved Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Picture this. You're hanging out in your favorite spot, headphones on, and the world around you just fades away. When listening to Dipsy stories, you're immersed in a fantasy world full of hundreds of sexy stories. Dipsy is an app designed for women by women, full of sexy short audio stories. You can discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and the best part in the library is always growing with new content released every week. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. My favorite thing about Dipsy are the soothing sleep stories. They really, uh, you know, get you going at night, but they're really relaxing. The voice on them is super relaxing. I'm telling you, you guys have to try this out. You're going to love it. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash understood. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash understood dipsystories.com slash understood. Yeah. Well, that's so true. I mean, I think when you talk to a lot of people, um, their childhood or their past has triggered them in a way that it'll bring them to tears. So, you know, I know as a parent, I am someone who was raised by a single parent as well. And I felt, you know, pretty neglected because she was going back to work. She was dating, she was doing all these things. So for me, it's interesting because I, I became someone who likes to be in front of the camera, who's, you know, uh, has become someone whose life is very, you know, out there in the public and probably because I needed to feel acceptance from a public audience, as opposed to my family, which I felt like I didn't get. I mean, I'm just not a psychologist, but thinking why I went into the world that I did, but in parenting, you know, I'm always very hypersensitive to what I'm doing with my daughter. I have 
one child, one girl. I was raised, you know, as a as the only girl. And um, I'm very careful to make sure that I kind of don't do the things that I did. And I, I think that, uh, that I, I was given as a, as a child. Right. And I think if I felt like I had some great, um, experiences, which I can't think of any now, but I do, I will pull from that toolbox of, well, this worked. I mean, I do remember my, my mom would always say to me, as long as you're honest with me, I can never get mad at you. I do find that I say that to my daughter because I want her to feel like she can talk to me, you know? Um, but but I think it is hard. Your past and your own childhood yes. really determines how you are as a parent and how far you want to get away from being that that person that raised you, kind of. Well, so so what you were just saying to me, Rachel, you were talking about your child, but the conversation was really about your childhood. Right. So what ends up happening is that we bring that to bear with our children. And sometimes we really aren't seeing them. Mm. We're redoing our childhood with the child. Yeah. And that I would say 90 percent of uh, the parents I see do that. And and it's only uh, because. It, it impacts us. Our parents are our first relationships in life and relationships mm-hmm. after that will sometimes be built upon, you know, the missteps as well as the healthy steps. So it's really important that we constantly take a step back with our children because mm-hmm. and, and realize that they're not us. When it comes to parenting, uh, there are many styles that people want to hold on to. Why? Because as human beings, we want to predict and control everything, which mm-hmm. we can't. However, I tell people all the time, parenting, just parenting, not putting a style upon it. Parenting means guarding and guiding. Mm. Now you take that, those, those guardrails. Now guess what? Then you take tools from all. If, if it's helicopter that you like, then you take those. But you have to remember that your child will grow. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that you will not be the same parent today as you are next year. Right. So, so all of these things are great as tools. The challenge becomes when the flexibility is not there for parents. Yeah, absolutely. I know you guys did an episode on stranger danger where you put kids to the test to see what they would do um, in a trying um, scenario, like someone offering them candy or, you know, offering them to pet. I think there was a puppy situation that you guys talk about a lot. Um, what, what did you guys learn from that? And what did the parents on the show learn from that? Well, I think parents, because one one of the things that teachers and parents would often say to children, um, and it was unbeknownst to them that the research didn't support it. Didn't I tell you that already? Mm. How many times do I have to tell you? Why do I have to keep repeating myself? not understanding that everyone learns best through repetition. So the fact that you tell your child about don't, don't go to places um, with strangers. Yeah. If you, if you can help it, don't engage once or twice is not enough. This is a conversation that has to continue mm-hmm. repetition, repetition. That, that's what we get from um, the media. The, the media, the, the commercial that's burned in my head as a, as a kid is, this is your drain, uh, brain on drugs. Mm. Uh, you know, how often did With that commercial egg. come on? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so that's, it's repetition. That, that's what we know about science and, and, and prevention uh, for, you know, various things that can happen and go wrong. That it's through 
repetition and, and, and constantly talking about these issues. So parents didn't, what they found out was they weren't talking about these enough. When, mm-hmm. when I talked to them one-on-one for interview, they would say, well, I, we talked about that and we talked about it in depth. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. Yeah. You know, children go through 12 years of education, you know, otherwise uh, one would be enough. And also the conversations are happening at different ages too. I mean, I think as they start to see the real dangers in life that people are not all good, that people sometimes have bad intentions. You can't believe all people, although you want them to see the best in things. I mean, it, it is really important. And when I was watching scenes from the show, I, I have an 11 year old. I was thinking, I don't know if someone asked her, you know, to come with them, what would she really say? I wanted to know because I know she's smart enough to know not to, but if she's put into a manipulative situation, Maybe she would, you know, if someone pulled up to her and said, oh, my God, I came to pick you up. Your mom was in an accident. She told me to come get you get in the car. Would she believe them? So, I, you know, it made me very nervous as a parent and want to have that conversation again. So I will say that was a highlight of the show for me, knowing that I had to have that conversation again. Um, You know, what, Rachel, that 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 repetition allows your child to hear your voice. Yeah. To to hear what would mom do? What did mom say about this? Mm-hmm. So that that's another way that we get them to internalize in situations where they need us most, when their voice isn't necessarily amplified, they hear ours. Right. Um, so what were the parenting styles you guys came up with? Well, how many have you seen, by the way? Um, well, there were 12 on the show, but mm-hmm. for from a research standpoint, there are about 26. And oh, I, wow. say 20, I say 26, because there are people out there that, that say they're over 100. However, from a research standpoint, ones that have actually been verified and found to be reliable and, and actually have merit, they're about 26. Okay. So I want to get into the ones that you think are the most popular or ones that we should know about, but what is your parenting style? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that we are um, probably authoritarian. Okay. And um, not authoritative, <laughs> but uh, authoritarian in the sense that there, there are some clear boundaries as parents. There's okay. some clear, first of all, um, we're husband and wife first, and then mom and dad. Society continues to put children first, and I get that. It works in theory. But when parents aren't taking care of themselves and, and self care is not number one on their list, then guess what? We have children who don't know how to take care of themselves, but also mm-hmm. um, parents aren't at their best. So, right. so that, And also you see so much divorce because of it, because exactly. they've lost their relationship. Ah, yes. As a university professor and dean, I can't tell you how often I'd have students in my office their freshman year uh, just ready, ready to end it all because their parents have waited the parents knew that, you know, the, the, there was a triangulation where yeah. they were doing more for the children than each other. They, they, they had, you know, they had lost their relationship for being mom and dad. Mm. They wait till the child goes off to college. And then and they, that's get the time they get divorced at a yeah. time when this child is looking to find the person of their lives based on their parents. What are your thoughts on staying with someone um, in a marriage because of kids, because my parents were divorced when I was five. I know how that had affected me, 
But I also know how it would have affected me if they stayed together and hated each other. As kids, you see everything um, and you get your lessons on what love is. And if the parents are staying with each other an extra 15 years, five years, whatever it is, just for the sake of the kids, you're risking, you know, infidelity, you're risking a lot of anger problems going on at home. So what do you think is best to stay with someone for the kids? Or, or I, I mean, I think I know the answer. You said you put your relationship right. first. So I think you would decide what your happiness means first. Exactly. And the reason being in research is not even what I think is what we found as, mm -hmm. you know, the science set shows that children who um, are constantly bombarded by uh, those levels of toxicity when parents um, don't necessarily like each other or want to be with one another is more detrimental, mm -hmm. you know, almost three times more detrimental than separation and divorce. But do you think it's, they always talk about that seven-year itch. Do you think that a lot of marriages are ending after seven years because that's usually kids have been introduced to the scenario and like you're saying, they've forgotten about how to take care of themselves. They've forgotten how to nurture a loving relationship with each other. Um, so do you think that has to do with it? I mean, I, th I think what you're well, saying certainly. is really important that you have to put your marriage and that relationship to a, a priority level. Definitely. And the children see you doing that. And when they get older, you're, you hope they would do it. So yeah, Rachel, there was an original seven-year itch, but that's no longer uh, the case. Marriages oh. are ending now after 20 years. So the the, the rise in 20-plus uh, years mm -hmm. where uh, people are kind of waking up saying, hey, uh, you know, this isn't for me or right. it's not working like I thought it would. Right. So let's talk about the parenting um, styles that you guys saw on the show. And if you can talk about it, you know, what were your findings from it? Is there one that won um, that became the one that everyone saw as being the best? Yeah, there, there was one that won. And in actuality, just kind of um, as the parent coach and expert on the show, what the person that did one, the style that won actually was more inclusive than the other styles. This person actually had a little bit of helicopter. The person called their style disciplinarian. Okay. However, they had a little bit of uh, helicopter where they were rearing um, their child. However, you know, their, their child was a teenage girl and the mom was also a single parent. Mm. So she had a little helicopter because she wanted to make sure she wanted to help her navigate relationships. She wanted to help her navigate some of those trials and storms that come along with that, you know, teenage. Um, but she had helicopters. She had some of permissiveness. She had some free range. You know, they had dance parties all the time. So so what she did, she she had a basis. And then with that basis, she filled her toolkit with the, with the other things as her child needed. Interesting. Um, we were talking earlier about conversations we should be having. Um, obviously, if you turn on the news right now, there is a lot going on. There's a lot always going on. But how would you suggest to best have really hard conversations um, with your kids about the news, like what's going on in Israel right now, um, to things like a tragedy? How are you explaining when someone um, in your family dies? Um, you know, how would you how would you do that? Well, I think often as parents, we want to go in and kind of just start talking, you know, because mm -hmm. that's what's comfortable for us. We want to meet the child where they are. Mm -hmm. So you want to go in and you want to ask the child, is everything okay? Have you heard about 
what's happening in Israel. What do you know about? And as you're listening, remember that as parents, we guard and we guide. Mm. And as the child talks to you about the various things that they know about it, if, if something seems to be going off the rails, you kind of, you're able as a parent to kind of say, well, let me share with you kind of the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And, and you want to have those types of conversations. And then you want to check in periodically to make sure that they don't have any more questions or concerns about it. Right. Well, that brings up a question that I have. What about if you, what would your suggestion be if you are two single parents raising the same child, right? And you have two opposing political views. Um, I think that is something that I deal with in my scenario. And, um, you know, it's very difficult. I think it puts a child in the middle. And with the way politics are right now, there's a lot of hatred um, for the other party and a lot of misinformation. So do you have some advice for people dealing with that situation? Definitely. Anytime there, um, pe- people are co-parenting, it's important that the child knows that they don't have to pick one parent over the other. They don't have to pick one parent's ideology over the other, one parent's views over the other. And as adults, sometimes we get caught up in in, in that in picking power dynamics. Exactly. Yeah, so that's if, true. So, so again, what you want to do is you, you want to be as fair as you can be to allow your child to be who they are and, and develop their values consistent with yours, but also let them see what the choices are and mm. not make that choice for them. Yeah. I do think that, and I don't know if this is a parenting style, but I do think that it's so important to give your child the most information, the most education, the most opportunity so that later they can make a decision and then, yes. you know, Parents can kind of back off because it's not their life. But as long as they're given like a whole menu, so to speak, of yes. things they can choose from and then things that they have experienced a little of. So they have they're educated on what they're choosing. I really think that's important. And that's it. I suffer from having a daughter who's a little bit lazy, you know, based on her friends. If her friends don't want to try out for volleyball, she doesn't want to try out, you know, and I'm always like. Wyatt, you're good. You should try out. Being on a team is really important, you know, but instead she wants to come home and listen to Taylor Swift for the 850,000th time with her friends and analyze what she means in her lyrics. So for me, it's difficult because I I wonder if I'm being too pushy because I didn't really play sports in school. You know, I think it's, I would love for her to be part of a team, but I do think it's important to, to push your kids um, Definitely. The, uh, but, you know, also let them make some decisions because if they're miserable, they're not going to perform either. And, and and the big thing, too, when pushing your children is knowing your child. Yeah. Not knowing about your child. I think what you were sharing with me earlier was that um, you might have felt your mom at times knew about you, but didn't know you, mm-hmm. that didn't really see you. So it's important that we know our children. So when it comes to pushing, You've seen, you you, you kind of know, you know, is this going to push her over the edge where she's going to maybe have some depression or is this push just going to be a swift kick in an, an you know, the anatomy that's mm-hmm. going to kind of say, okay, I, I can do this and, and I'll give it a shot. We do the same with food. You know, the child doesn't want to try something like sushi and then, mm-hmm. and they, they don't, then they try it and they love it. So, so it, the same types of things. 
Yeah, that's true. What What are your thoughts on why adults revert to being back in like eighth grade when they're around their parents at like Thanksgiving or when they have to get in a, a scenario <laughs> with their family? When I have my mother over, or actually I'm asking for a friend, um, <laughs> you know, I feel like I become that 14-year-old girl that like is pissed and is pouting and isn't listened to. And, you know, why do people do that? Why do I do that? <laughs> well, well, people do it because they have unhealed trauma. And um, when our trauma is unhealed, we um, have a tendency to bleed on people who didn't cut us. Mm. So, you know, maybe it's, it happens at Thanksgiving, um, you know, that, and that's actually might be the source. Or it could happen with your daughter. It could happen with... Um, a partner. Mm-hmm. So we, we have what's called, uh, in my writings, I call it a second backpack, an invisible second backpack. Everybody has one. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's all those things that we decided to, you know, to bury. We don't necessarily want to deal with them. And the right. problem is you, you can't bury emotions. And when you try to, uh, they fight, they come back more, you know, resentful with more animosity than before. And, you know, so basically talking about Thanksgiving, whatever's on your plate that goes unresolved, it's served to those you love. So, so it's what, really, go ahead. So, so it's really, really important that we take an inventory and it's not a one-time thing. It's a daily inventory. Uh, self-reflection and self-correction are two of the most humbling things and most important things that any human being could ever do. So when people are talking about the backpacks and what they can do, as much as I can talk about exercise and all these wonderful things that will do things, the dopamine and, you know, the other, you know, chemical reactions that we have to feel good, mm-hmm. you know, those are band-aids. The real deal is sitting with the hurt, sitting with the hurt, experiencing the hurt and resolving it. In your own way, in your own time. Uh, that was my next question. How do you unpack this emotional backpack? Um, you know, are there other things you can do besides just sitting in it and kind of getting through it that people can do that maybe isn't so uncomfortable? Well, <laughs> you know, change, change is uncomfortable. Growth, mm-hmm. growth. Well, we call it like growing pains. So it went in. It was hurt that went in. It's going to hurt coming out. That's Otherwise, we'd be we we'd be talking about toxic positivity, happy, happy, joy, joy, and, and acting as if every, you know everything's perfect. It's not. Life isn't. Life's messy, right. and, and and we have to deal with that mess so that we don't contaminate those we love. But I, I'm really curious. A lot of people do say, "Well, you should really sit in it and let it marinate and really get through it." What does that really mean? Like, what's a tangible answer for that? Do I just sit there and think about all the bad things that happened? I mean, there's no, got to be no, some no. change, right? They're professionals that will actually help you navigate mm-hmm. the mess. That will have actually help you make sense of the mess because yeah. with with those emotions being buried and they're fighting to come back out and you know to, to be alive. Um, emotions are, are sometimes um, misleading. Mm-hmm. So, you know, true maturity, the definition of true maturity is being able to separate separate your emotions from your thinking. Mm-hmm. So in actuality, how often do we do that? How often do we separate our thoughts from our emotions? We don't yeah. that as human yeah. beings, we don't that often, but talking to uh, a professionally trained uh, therapist, counselor, they're able to help navigate that. Right. 
Um, talk about the four F's, fairness, firmness, flexibility, and fun. What does that mean to you? Oh, those are my tools that I give every parent, regardless of what style they've ascribed to. I tell them that great parenting involves those four F's. Being firm, every child needs consistency, structure, limits, and boundaries. Um, my mom wouldn't quite say it like that. My mom would say Burger King may have great burgers, but you can't have it your way. Mm -hmm. so, 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 so that's every child needs that. Every child needs fun. We got to stop thinking that fun is a sidebar. Like, mm -hmm. oh, once we do this, we can have fun. Fun is actually an authentic part of learning. The moment you involve fun with learning, the brain takes, takes 400 synapses, uh, repetitions to build a pathway for learning. Once you in introduce fun, it takes six to 10, six to mm -hmm. 10, just with fun. And fairness is understanding that your child is not you. Mm -hmm. My children aren't me. As much as sometimes I would fall in the trap, I wouldn't do that. Of course you wouldn't because that's not you. Mm -hmm. So um, remembering that our children aren't us, remembering in today's age that children have more distractions. You talk about opportunities, and I love that you said that, but they also have more distractions than ever before. Yeah. So crazy. there's a so yeah, so it's it's a lot different. And flexibility is understanding that when one thing doesn't work, it's okay to try another. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um how can being misunderstood as a child affect your parenting? Because we've talked about trauma. We talked about being neglected. We talked about having your own issues. But what about being like kids that grew up really feeling like they were not heard and that they were um, misunderstood as, as to who they were? Right. So as, as many ways as that can be manifested, I'm going to just give you two. The one where the, it's parent-centered. So the parent is making sure that they're heard with the child. They're making sure they're seen with the child. The second way would be child-centered where they're making sure that they hear their children's voice, they, that their child knows they're heard, that their child knows their value and respected. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, so um, we talked about like what the best style is of parenting, which you had said is kind of taking from a toolbox, right, of, of different styles. Um, but how, like, how would you answer this? How could anyone parent better? Are there some tips you have for uh, what to do to be a better parent, no matter what your style is? Definitely. Buy the book that has your child's photo on the cover. And what that means mm -hmm. is know your child. Know your child. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if a teacher calls you and says, you know, uh, Leah misbehaved today in school. If, if I were, that's my oldest daughter. If I got that call, I would say, and tell me what she did. And then I would help them. Well, did she also put her head down like she didn't do it? Did one tear drop? I mean, I would know mm. how my child would, would, would misbehave. Yeah. I wouldn't be the parent that says, no, that never happens because right. I've never seen it. I wasn't involved or engaged enough to see it. So mm. I would say, know your child. But as parents, we have to also know ourselves because otherwise, um, you know, our personal storms get our children wet. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a similar question, but I'm just going to ask it a different way. What is most misunderstood about being a good parent? It's subjective. 
it's subjective and it's really hard to take advice from anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what happens in society when we say that people are critical of different parenting styles? Mm-hmm. What's, what's really happened? That's a projection. It's a projection because parenting is so intimately personal to everyone. Mm-hmm. So when someone is looking at and, someone and else, based on their own experience, obviously, exactly, yeah. exactly. So so people project all the time. How dare you do that? You don't know my child. You you don't know why I had to raise my voice. That's how my child. That's how I get my child's attention to redirect them. So right. it's very it's very subjective, and I, I would say along the lines of. Uh, as we, with our children, with each other, with ourselves, grace goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right. Where can people find you if they're interested in reaching out to you or they want to see more of you? Uh, they can find me at uh, my website, docspeaks.com or um, my podcast, uh, Patreon forward slash docspeaks. It's in the balcony with Doc Brown. Oh yeah, tell tell me about that podcast a little bit. What what kind of um, topics are you covering? We do everything, everyday, all the drama, um, how to resolve all the drama in everyday life mm-hmm. using psychology. Great. Uh, and how often is that? Once a week that it comes out. Once a once a week it comes out comes on every Sunday at seven fifty seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 757. That's our area code, 757. Oh, got it. uh, Eastern Standard Time. And we do it on Sunday because we want to start the week in the balcony. And and the balcony basically is that place of love, light, and insight, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the basement where we wake up every day looking for opportunities to be offended. Right. right. (laughs) Um, Okay. So basically for what, you know, from our conversation, I think it's evident that parents should go a little easier on themselves about the job that they're doing because there isn't a right way or a wrong way. Um, You can't necessarily read a book to get educated on it. You have to really know your child and, and parent based on who your child is. And yes, you can use those experiences from your past, but hopefully you'll do some work on your own so that you're not pulling from the bad parts of those experiences, but you're learning from them. Am I right? Oh my gosh. uh, Yes. (laughs) <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I, I wanted to say something too, that makes my uh, podcast a little different from most. Sure. Um, uh, uh, outside we have, uh, I have two other hosts with three hosts, but everyone talks on our podcast. We have a huge audience and everyone is extremely interactive. It takes a whole lot of coordinating, mm-hmm. uh, but everyone gets a chance to voice their opinion, voice their issues. And we do our best to cover it all in an hour. Right. I love that. I'm going to listen to it. And I also love something you just said. I do think it's important to listen to other people's opinions and styles, because again, coming from someone who parents differently than my former partner, um, you know, sometimes I'm very judgmental of that. And after this conversation, you know, you, you did remind me that it's not, we can all parent differently. And it doesn't mean that his style is wrong. It doesn't mean my style is right but it's the style that I've chosen and it works for me and my daughter. So um, I'm so thankful that we had this time to have this conversation because you really helped me learn a couple of things and I'm sure you helped our listeners. So thank you so much. Um, Say your uh, Instagram one more time so people can follow you. Yes, Instagram is Adolph Brown and that's Adolph spelled with a P-H-D, A-D-O-L-P-H. Awesome. Thank you so much, Doc. And uh, I can't wait to listen to your podcast. Thank you.
you so much for listening to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. Please be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating and review. You can support the show by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. Do you have ideas for the show or want to reach out? Email us at info misunderstood podcast at gmail.com. That's spelled M-I-S-S understood. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Misunderstood.